Well, if you made it through that intro, congratulations. We're actually moving on to the podcast now. The Tone of Time. My name is Adela Davis. And I'm Nora Elkins, and we are here today to educate you on the subject of the Gaulish tribes. It is very exciting, so let's get right on into it with the basics. Alrighty, so we said this was an episode about Gauls. Actually, psych, we're going to talk about the similarities between the Gauls and the Vikings first, then we'll move on. Don't worry about it. So, one of the weird similarities between the two is, first off, the barbarism, right? Like, how barbaric they both were known for being. But the other thing is the fact that they were both culturally centered around farming, which is just a bizarre concept. You wouldn't think that the most farm-central societies would be so barbaric to the people around them like yeah they were insane like and i feel like this was something very disconcerting to all of the people around them right oh for sure nobody knew how to handle the fact that it was just a daily part of life for these people to you know attack like the gauls they practiced sustainable fighting in quotations because i just coined that term Where they only fought for resources and only when necessary for land. So basically what they did was they didn't really, they didn't want to extend their empire. They just attacked and then sold some stuff. And the end, what ended up happening was that their downfall was the fact that the Romans took it so personally. And I mean, how could you not? You're getting attacked by men who are naked, painted blue, who are kind of jokes, to be honest, because they're not one giant tribe. They're a whole bunch of little tribes spread throughout Europe who just kind of were like, yo, we need more land for farming, so let's attack Rome. And let's not forget that Rome was a global superpower at this point. So how do you not take it personally when you're attacked by, like, five angry hillmen tribes? You can't. You, you, can't you have to take, take it, it personally. Like, your Honestly. ego would never recover. Right, exactly. So that's kind of where that all came from. Big oof. Really big oof in that case oh, for them. Oh, for sure. Because the thing is, I don't think they ever intended it to be a huge thing that they attacked Rome. It was only like they pillaged and it then wasn't. They oh, left. let's attack Rome. We have to take down this empire in order to be sustainable and to gain power globally. It, it was more just okay. So we need more land, and they have a lot of land. And then there was a little bit of like, oh, they have cool stuff, and we don't have that cool stuff. They so had we're just spears gonna, like, because they were too broke for it. They were too broke for swords. Yeah, because swords had too much metal in them. So they were like, actually, here's what we're going to do. So we don't have the budget for a sword right now. So we're just going to give a bunch of you little tiny arrow things. And then you can stick them on long sticks and stab people. Isn't that exciting? And I mean, it was very exciting. They loved it because they kept pillaging people anyways. And And it all worked out eventually, sort of. It didn't work out eventually. It came to an end brutally. And they got wiped out. Like, their entire culture. But they managed to achieve a shocking amount, especially since, like, one of the misconceptions about the Gauls is that they're one giant tribe working together as a superpower in this time. But they weren't. They were just a bunch of tribes defined, like, their borders were defined by their enemies rather than themselves. They didn't have an empire. They were just a bunch of tribes that spoke the same languages, and so all of their enemies were like, yeah, y'all are the same. And it wasn't even the same language, though. It like, was, that would be, like, say, like, it was the same language, but it's the difference between... It was a lot of different dialects, so it's, like, the difference yeah. between Italian and French. You can kind of understand each other somewhat, or but like it's, like, it's Or, like, European different. French and Canadian French, right? Right, yeah. Where they're both French, however, if you go to France and you're from Quebec... Yeah, you're gonna... There's definitely a difference. It's not yeah. like you think you speak the same language. There's a definite divide. And that was kind of what was with the Gaulish tribes. However, Rome was like, you attacked us. You're all the same person now. You're all the same tribe. We're going to wipe you out. Right. And, and it's, so not, like, and it's not like them. the Gauls tried very hard to correct anybody. And they don't have any written records, so it was hard to contradict them. Yeah. Right? There were no written records of from anything. The Gauls. From the Gauls. From the Gauls. The Gauls <laughs> just decided that Which they didn't care. Which would have been nice, though. Because right now, when you're trying to learn about Gaulish history, and the only records of it are from Greeks and Romans... It's it's a bit of a pain, not gonna lie. Okay, so, basically, from what I've discovered from reading from their enemies, which is so frustrating, is that Gaul gets divided into these things called Pagi. Spelled P-A-G-I, and I guarantee I pronounced that wrong. And it's a word that... Uh, Caesar used, but it's a word that's originally Gaulish, so I'm assuming he got that word from the Gauls in general. 
So then once they're divided into that, they are also divided again into these extended kin groups. And then the kin groups are broken up into like just your kin. So you have like close family, right? And then you rely on them. And then on occasion, sometimes when things don't work out, then you look to your extended family. And then from the extended family, sometimes they were united by a particularly charismatic person into these pagi, which are like groups of But don't families. forget though, Gaulish tribes were everywhere in Europe, for the most part. Oh yeah. They were in Greece, they were in northern parts of Italy, they were in Germany, they were in France. They were just kind of spread everywhere. And they originated from Ireland. So the very idea that you could group them together and expect them all to be the same is just ridiculous. It's Yeah, they're not they're not very um all things considered organized in general. So they were just kind of like loose societal groups and every once in a while they would unite under somebody who was particularly And the only records of them are the really big tribes. And there was a whole bunch right. of smaller tribes spread out, but because they were all grouped into yeah. one Gaulish tribe, it's made it really difficult to find those smaller tribes that may not have done as much attacking. And one of the reasons they never banded together is because each of these families was intensely independent. They all, you never relied on anybody around you unless you absolutely had to, right? So they all had their own individual farms, and then when they needed to, they relied on each other. Well, it's the same way why but your mom's before. side... And your dad's side never meet, you know? Like, yeah, you have your yeah. mom's cousins and you got your dad's cousins. You don't rely on them both. You, you no, know. no, no, yeah, You don't yeah. bring, they don't mix. Keep them a little separate, you know? So, yeah, lots of farming. They also, like, they were farmers, but not just like a, like, they also had livestock. It wasn't just plants and stuff. So they had cattle. They also had bread, milk, cheese, fish. They kind of did it all in a weird way, which is kind of fun and they also later on did a lot of trade right um when they had these like hill forts where people could meet up and like hide when there were enemies but then most of the time everybody lived in loosely assembled farms and stuff because obviously it takes up a lot of space to do a lot of farming right and they didn't have that much space which is why they were constantly attacking like if rome had just been like yo here's some land for some actually nice houses they would have been like oh yeah sure seems chill and with that Or maybe said, they wouldn't have. Oh, maybe. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe it wouldn't have been chill. To be completely honest, there was a lot of, like, the Gauls being like, yeah, so now we're going to attack. And, and then they attacked. And then they attacked. So, alrighty. Now that we've talked about the basics, you can't exactly talk about Gaul without talking about their problems with Rome. Their marital problems. A very big issue. I think they Super needed big. a therapist, but I guess therapy wasn't Or they could have just, like, divorced. Thing. Yeah, or maybe they needed some divine intervention. Anyway, either way, they didn't get any of that. So let's begin in the beginning of their marital problems. This in is a like town, the start. Yeah. It's, it's lovely. Yeah. Back when things were peaceful and it, you could just like see, see the problems the start and then arising and it just suddenly love became a disaster. A maybe that's why. All anyway. parents are like that though. A mood. All right, let's begin in the little town called Clusium, which is where it all begins. I mean, with a name like that. So we have a king. We have a son named Lucimo, and I'm not mentioning the king's name because I don't remember it. And then we have an important dude in this town. Not the king. Not, not the king. Aruns. So we have the king, we have Aruns, and we have his son Lucimo. So now that we have the cast. So um, the king's like, Aruns, I want you to watch Lucimo. And uh, Lucimo gets watched by him, like, all his life, and then Lucimo grows up to be a jerk and steals Aaron's wife, which is a big oof. I mean, that's just what happens. I mean, fair enough, like, I understand the premise, but I, it's also, like, damn. So. Families were just like that back then, though. Honestly, Especially when you true. weren't related. Like, Especially, that's just asking the for other disaster. Thing is, like, what married couple actually loved each other back in the day? They didn't. There were so few. So I'm not shocked that, like, Aaron's wife was like, yeah, sure, I'll hang out with your stepson. It wasn't even stepson. It was, like, babysitter. Babysitter. Uh, Ooh, this is, is getting, this is getting, um, mm. we're moving on. Moving on. So, Aaron's gets all sad because, obviously, his wife is screwing his, uh, his, um, his, his, his son. Not son? 
his not son's son. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he decides to go to hang out with the Gauls because the Gauls like all the things that he sells. And he hangs out with the Gauls for a little while, and then the Gauls are like, yo, we like your stuff, bro. Like, we like all of the olives and stuff. Um, And, like, this is where it turns bad. This is our jam. Um, See, here's the thing. This is where it turns bad because the Gauls are like, we need the olives. And Aarons is like, okay, but the only way you can get the Gauls and sneaky Aarons here, who's still pissed off at Lucimo, who's now in charge of Clusium. So he goes, yeah, so it looks like you're going to have to attack Clusium. For the olives. Yeah, for the olives. It's obviously important. And here's the thing that I don't get about the Gauls. Like, it's just like, it's like, it's like selling your family for Turkish delight. Turkish delight isn't even that good. Olives, sure, they're fine, but like, they're not that good. Rome for olives? Just like, wow. Like, why would you do that? Wow. Especially because, why don't you just steal the olives? Yeah. Grow your own olives. Like, I know, like, it doesn't taste much. Anyway. Moving on, they decide to go and do that. So the Sinonese arrive, and... That's a tribe. Yeah, that that's the tribe that Aerons was selling stuff to. And so the Sinonese arrive, and the the town of Clusium is like, Hey, Rome, you're nearby. We will give you stuff. Please help us. Like, because, you know, the cowards they were, they couldn't face the Gauls on their own. To be fair, they were very tall white people. And they were also very naked. Very naked on occasion. I don't know if they were naked in this battle, but I know that they, they were naked. They probably were. Occasion. I sure would be. Like, if oh, you're yeah. just like They're vibing not. out, like, honestly, why wear clothes at all? How old are men? We've already discussed the fact that everyone back there was just banging everyone. Like, that's true. That's just that's just like ancient Minor Greeks, details. Rome. Back it's to all the story. So then, the so Romans send the three sons of a dude named. Marus Fabius. A Can't good pronounce name. any of that. But, but a actually... cool name, right? Like, kind of a vibe. Like, Fabius, but Fabius. Mm-hmm. And so he sent his three sons as ambassadors. Um, and so the three ambassadors were like, yo, Gauls, if you get involved in this fight, like, if you actually start this fight, we will get involved and crush you. And the Gauls were like, <laughs> bet. No, not yet. Not the yet. The were like, actually, okay, fine. Sure, just give us everything that we want, and we're out of your hair. And then there was a skirmish where no one knows what happens because nobody kept an accurate account. Because so we're saying that they just said that because that's yeah, kind so of how things they go said, down. And then the Romans were like, "Yeah, I don't think so." And then the Sinonese were like, "Bet." And then it started there a fight. During this fight, one of the ambassadors actually, well, basically, a couple of the ambassadors got involved in the fight, and that was against the rules of ambassadors because they weren't supposed to be involved in the skirmish. They were just supposed to. Which is so lame. Watch and stuff. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so they killed one of the Sinonese. And so, instead of, like, retaliating immediately, immediately, the Sinonese actually retreated. They were like, okay, we need to discuss the audacity. Like, the audacity of killing one of our own. Were and they s- attacking you? Perhaps. Maybe, but still, the audacity to kill one of the Sinonese, you know? Like, how could the Romans do this? They they weren't even being attacked yet. No, it not yet. It was just a city under their protection. Anyway. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. They took it too seriously. Anyway, oh, so. So, um, they retreat, and then the three brothers, the ambassadors that did the killing, or some of them did the killing, it's a little confused there, go back to Rome. And so the Sinonese discuss, and they decide to send some of their ambassadors to Rome. And they demand a blood price in the form of the three Fabi brothers. They want them to be delivered to them. Um, so the Senate, who's kind of in charge of that kind of decision, is like, they didn't really want to have to deal with what problems. And I mean, they were like, this tiny tribe. Like, right, they right. Like, it's not a big at this deal. time. And the thing is, like, they were, the, the brothers were really important to that city. So they didn't really want to deal with the, like, the really influential family hating them. And they also didn't want to deal with the people being angry when the Gauls attacked after they turned them down. And so what they did was they decided to let the people, uh, like the citizens of Rome, decide. And the citizens of Rome were deliberating and all the rest of this. But during this time, the brothers got elected in next year's election to be in charge next year. And so the Gauls were understandably pissed, right? Like, why would you give, like, three people that broke the law so much power later on? And back then, that was a big deal. Like, yeah, for you sure. You don't kill 
someone without, you know, expecting something in return. And, like, not to mention, like, you don't get to get away with breaking the law. And, like, Rome was supposed to be one of the people that had very strict laws. And so the fact that they let them get away with that really proved that they didn't take... Yeah, they're not supposed to be barbaric. Yeah, and it showed that the Gauls didn't... They didn't take the Gauls seriously. So... Like, ouch. So this was where the entire attack Rome by the Gauls started. Just a quick side note, then the Gauls and the Romans kind of returned to, like, chill-ish peace. Like, there were obviously still some, like, minor back-and-forth battles, but since the Romans officially said that they'd, like, conquered them successfully, or, like, kicked them out at least, they decided that the Romans' pride was kind of recovered, and the Gauls weren't all that pissed because they still got a lot of gold and stuff. And they were broke. Yeah, and so they'd successfully sacked Rome, which was good enough for them, so their pride was satiated, their need for money was satiated, and the Romans' pride was satiated by wine. Not to call them out or anything. For now. For, for now. For now. Not yet. And then, that all took place in the year, years-ish, about 390 BCE. Like, again, the years are all pretty rough and kind of estimated for a lot of it, just because they didn't have exact start dates and end dates. So, that's just a rough guess. Yeah. And it should be accurate. And then this next moment with the Gauls is taking place in 284 BCE. Yeah, so 284 BCE, we get to discuss the next important bit. So in 284 BCE, there's kind of two battles mixed into one. They just kind of accounted it as one because... Because when did the Gauls ever do anything that makes also sense? Also, the <laughs> only mention of this was actually by a Greek historian. Lovely. So it wasn't uh, anyone who was a part of this. Again, and it was only explicitly information. Yeah, it was only explicitly mentioned by a Greek historian named uh, Polybius, which funky name. Again. Except he was not a part of this battle. Greek wasn't a part of this battle. It's all just like. Yeah, we get, like, third and second information. So, basically, this is about as reliable as, like... As it's gonna get. As, well, as Gaulish history gets anyway. So, I guess we just have to accept it, you know? So, and this one is really interesting because (laughs) this is an attack, and there's a Celts tribe as well uh, in this attack, which is really unusual because normally the Celts... And the Gaulish tribes remained relatively separate because they were yeah, two yeah, very different you know things. That, like, you know that cousin that you're chill with talking with, but, like, you, you, don't, you don't invite them to anything. They're probably a stoner. Yeah, they're, like, they're just kind of, like, eh, you know. I feel like the Gauls are the stoners, if anybody. Definitely. Definitely yeah, the so they don't include their, include their, like, preppier cousin, the Celts, generally. Yeah, but in this, they do, which is pretty cool because, you know, they rarely work together and they were so similar. So, anyways... Uh, actually, it's really funny, because the Celts tribe, uh, their name was called the Boys, which is B-O-I-I, so maybe I am pronouncing it wrong, but I don't care, because it's a cool name. Also, uh, Boy means cow, so you could call this tribe the Cow Boys, which, and arguably, they were cowboys. They were cowboys. Because, like, they had cattle, right? So, like, cowboys. They were the Cowboys, which is funky, fresh. And most of all, fun. Oh, yeah. The fun. (laughs) The fun. Loki almost said fantastic. The fun. (laughs) Minor detail. So, there's no actual record on why they decided to attack Erdium. They just did. Because? Because probably land. They just needed more farmland, and this is... Or they just felt like it, because when did the Gauls ever do anything that just made sense? Yeah, there's no account. Again, they didn't write down anything, so the Greek just kind of guessed. Quick reminder, they decided to attack Clusium for olives, so at best, their reasons were shaky. We can live on So, (laughs) very interesting reasons. Maybe land, maybe olives, but they decided to attack uh, northern Italy, that whereabouts and then the thing is though is that that northern italy area uh iridium was a roman section of italy because when do the gauls not attack because when do the gauls not attack rome exactly and now this is just embarrassing for everyone again because the thing is though is that 
the Gauls once again are attacking Rome in their home area. And once again, they said that they were outnumbered. Yeah. How are you outnumbered? I'm sorry. In your home turf. And just keep in mind, this was after they buffed out their armies and re-strategized and everything. After this the first embarrassment later. with Gaul. So you have to wonder if they, what, they want us to believe that they didn't learn their lesson, in which case they're dumb, and that they were once again outnumbered because they didn't have the foresight to bring enough people? Yeah. Interesting. And so there's like two battles, neither of which are really written down the reasons, so I'm just going to mix them into one big battle because they were a year apart at most, so it's basically just one ongoing battle at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, it's said that the Roman praetor, uh, Lucius Caelius Metilius Denter, which is a heck of a name. Like, that what is a, a name. title, honestly. Uh, anyways, he died in that battle. Oh, okay. Which well. is the only reason why they actually know about this battle, is because he died there. Wait, because he died, they wrote history yeah. about it? Yeah, because they wanted to know why this praetor died. Oh. And they were like, oh, dang, because he died in this battle so i guess we should maybe write down that this he battle died in happened. battle yeah i gotta Which say is not a good reason especially because it was a greek who wrote it down oh god ancient history is such a mess sometimes the fact that no <laughs> one thought that it was important to keep any written records just yeah and um mind-boggling and again so this is all written down by the dude named polybius who's again once more for the record a greek historian and this is what he wrote about it. He said that the Romans were utterly defeated, and it was only now that their courage at length gave way, and that they sent an embassy to, to sue for terms and made a treaty with the Romans. Which is really interesting, because that means there was something lost in translation, because it basically was saying that the Romans were actually making an alliance with other Romans, because it was just so shaky where the lines between the Celtic tribes were and the Romans. So we don't actually know if the Roman Empire attacked themselves at some point. Because they just start got caught up in attacking that they didn't actually know who they were attacking anymore. Can we just also appreciate how powerful the Gauls had to be to just be like, Yeah, actually, and the at this point. screw you. We are going to be attacking you and we're going to be doing it continuously. And you're too much of a coward to do anything. Yeah, so this is actually... After the first treaty with Rome was utterly destroyed. destroyed. So that was, that was the thing with, like, Pelusium and yeah. them having, like, a the loose treaty. Of Rome. And then they attacked, and then they had, like, another mm. loose treaty going on after yeah. the sack of Rome. Yeah, and then that obviously failed at some point. Do we know which battle? No. No, but do we, do we care? All we know is that the Gauls are impertinent, which is a vibe, and that the Romans are slightly cowardish, but also love gold, which is also a vibe. Yeah. So, I mean, who in history isn't a coward who doesn't love gold? If you yeah. love gold, you're a coward. Possibly. Possibly. Except I mean, the Gauls any... like gold, too, and so do the Vikings. Mm, but they didn't have, like, this, like, thing for gold. They were just kind of like, yo, farming. But, like, gold is obviously a bonus. Debatable. Debatable. Debatable, I guess. But, anyways, so the Romans might have been attacking themselves at some point. No one's actually sure. Because the Rome, the Romans didn't write it down. And probably because they might have been attacking themselves, maybe. That's not why to mention, they just kind of... That's embarrassing. And the Romans have, like, a history previously of just writing over whatever they feel like doesn't fit their overall and like to be fair that's a good element of any empire every single empire needs to have a little bit of lies out there in order to keep some semblance of respectability yeah i mean you can't be respected and be like yeah we accidentally attacked ourselves that was because the gaulish moment. tribes were like attacking us and we got confused on who was who because we didn't know the difference between the Six feet tall, which was freakishly tall back then. The Gauls were freakishly tall. Yeah. And they were naked. And yeah. they were, like, beefy. And painted big. blue. Yeah. Like, they, I don't know how you get confused, but according to Polybius, they did. They did. And there's no other explicit mention of this battle, so we're just going to have to trust him. And then, so they made another treaty, signed it, and that was, for the most part, that battle. They just... It was over relatively quickly. There's not much to account for, but it was still like a really major battle somehow that they just decided to gloss over because the Romans didn't like it. They were like, 
Ooh, this is this is embarrassing. Let's and again, a common theme in Roman history is they just gloss over really important things while acknowledging that they were important. They'll be like, yeah, so there was this battle where we got defeated and then we rose up again, but we're not going to tell you any details so, because we don't know. Yeah, so we got defeated, but we also regained our power. So instead of focusing on the fact that we were defeated, we're going to focus on the fact that we regained power. Defeated by what? You don't get to know. Nope, none of your business. That's embarrassing. That's a secret. That's hush hush. Yeah. Anyone who mentions it, it's like a pinky promise. Don't tell secret. Like no one's yeah. gonna. No one's And it was not like it. necessarily no one talked about it. It's just that we don't. They didn't keep surviving records. Obviously, it's like the difference between the laughing with your friends about being embarrassed and then writing it down in a diary. Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah. I mean, I can't exactly blame the Romans for keeping that. A secret, hush, hush. But at the same time, the fact that they continuously throughout history just get owned by the Gauls just cracks me up. So, I mean, of course, they did the final owning, but yeah, my We're not details. focusing on that yet. Mm, yeah. Or ever. Or, or ever. We're just gonna, you know, <laughs> move on to the Gauls, next battle. Honestly. We were just going to do, like, straight battles up in here, but then I decided to completely sabotage that plan, and now we're going to discuss religion. Everyone's favorite topic at a Thanksgiving table. Oh, yeah. The vibes. Politics and religion, which are the two things that we're about to discuss. Perfect. All we need now is a wine-drunk aunt. The important thing, uh, by the way, we're not discussing the Romans at all. Screw them. We're going to discuss the Gaulish, the Gaulish religion. Um, and the Gaulish religion seems to have three important people, or three important people job deities. titles. Yeah. Not deities, but like job titles. So job we have titles. the Druids, um, we have the Vates, who you don't know anything about yet, that's fine, and we have Bards. So, the Druids, they basically deal with the gods. They were so incredibly powerful. Like, they're the kind of people where they could walk into the middle of a battle, like a fierce battle, full rage, and just stop it. Like, it would just stop for them. Because <laughs> they were so Sue. powerful. Like, Honestly. Like, like, imagine just, like, walking and being like, no. No, you're not doing this anymore. <laughs> and then they would just stop. I simply do not wish for this battle to exist. Yeah. The other th- important thing to note about them is that they had a very secret instruction initiation pro- process. And the funny part about this secret is that it may not have actually been a secret to begin with at all. It was, like, maybe a secret. It was just because... First off, Caesar and the Romans obviously didn't care about their religion, so they didn't write anything down that they knew about it, and then the Gauls didn't write anything down at all because it was against the doctrine to write any of it down. It would have been, like, a slight to God or whatever. So they were like, nothing was written down, so we don't know anything about it. But one of the main pillars of it was the indestructibility of the human soul. So they believed in reincarnation and heaven. Which is astounding based on their future actions that we're gonna get into like the honestly Mm. Mm. okay there interesting so yeah so they believed in reincarnation so like after and we know that they believed in reincarnation and like an afterlife and stuff because they buried food and weapons with like the dead people so that they would have something the other weird thing is there's like a minor part of history where they kept the bones of dead people inside of the house in like random places and sometimes in the garbage and stuff. Which is weird, but there's also a part of history where they would just leave dead people on the battlefield to show that they didn't care about them yes. to the Romans. And the like other thing is they did a lot dominance. of they also had a lot of sky burials. So that's yeah. where they kept the bones in the house was they would just leave dead bodies of like their peers and stuff out in the sun and just let them like be picked clean by birth and then keep the bones interesting another important thing about druids is they were very into like rituals and we know that they did a lot of rituals with like woods and stuff because their name means of the oaks or something similar to that or like of the trees right so like obviously something to do with the forest and they did a lot of sacrificing which gets us into some fun human sacrifice territory sexy ain't it we get the Wicker Man, which was basically a giant wooden structure, and they would put a bunch of people in it and tie them to it and then burn it. Is it even a religion if you don't tie people to some sort of wood and sacrifice them? Honestly, that's actually kind of true, because like Christianity yeah. would sacrifice. We yeah. have paganism would sacrifice, would sacrifice, especially since this was an original form of paganism. 
Bro. So did we just solve religion in a nutshell? We solved religion. <laughs> we solved religion. Okay. Oh, wow. Moving okay. On, not then. not to get like political here, but we could you know, the other weird thing about druids is that, okay, so p- keep in mind, people didn't live very long. Like, it wasn't like people were living to 100. This, like, getting to be a full-on druid took more than 20 years. It took 20 years to get that educated. And that just, like, blows my mind. How do you even have the patience for that? Yeah, crazy, crazy. Okay, so now we have the druids. That's the druids. Then the vates, which is actually a term used by Caesar... And the way that it's actually written by the Gauls, like it's a Gaulish word, but the but Caesar made it more easy to pronounce. That's what stuff. Caesar just does. He yeah, takes so many like, Gaulish words and he's like, just mine. It's much like the English language. Yeah, he just he's took like parts of it. He's and like, like, yeah, that sounds sexy, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make it so that you can. pronounce It's still it. my word. Yeah, yeah. So it's like still moving my on. Word. So then we have vates, which were like seers, um, which doesn't give you a very clear idea of what they did, but <laughs> they seem to. <laughs> I know, right? Peak. So uh, they were like priest underlings, kind of. They did a lot of divining and a lot of like sacrificing animal guts to figure things out and rune stones. So what I'm getting though is for religion to work, you need wood burning sacrifices and animal sacrifices. Ooh. So between those two things, I think we've covered like everything. Yeah. Well, I don't know too much about religion. I don't know anything about Hinduism. Mm. Uh-oh. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know about the wood sacrifice for Hinduism. Maybe it's just the white people religion. (laughs) (laughs) White people religion. We've solved the white people religion. Oh, white people. Oh, God, I really don't hope we don't have any Christian listeners. Hi. Hi. I swear we support whatever. Well, we don't support it, but we will support you. Supporting it. Supporting it. Unless you're a Nazi, in which case I will respectfully have to decline. Yeah, then then we don't respect you. No. We can't. But, like, not actually sorry. Kind of sorry, because we need more listeners. But, like, not super sorry, because we But, like, don't, don't keep listening, that. because we're desperate. Don't do that. No, Just no, wait. that's that's rude. Okay, back to the Vates. They were kind of, like, into magic and storytelling, which is very exciting. I can give you a better idea after we learn about the bards. Now, bards. They were in Ireland with the Celts. They were called Philly, or Philly, or Philly, or something. Spelled F-I-L-I. And they were poets. And the reason that why they were so important and had anything to do with religion whatsoever is because the Celts and the Gauls believed very strongly that words were magic in and of themselves. And yet, they didn't write anything down. I know, crazy. I guess they thought that it was so sacred that it shouldn't be wasted and, like, put out so that anybody could just read it. They wanted them to be part of their culture to be able I to mean, understand I mean, if you've it. ever played D&D and you've had a bard character... You know how great it is to be a bard and have everyone put their trust in you. Honestly. Because, like, you get it to tell the story. Complex. You, oh, yeah. I feel like that's The god complex what it was. is, like, Yeah, I feel bard. like the bards definitely had a god complex. I mean, so would I. <laughs> they were gifted, po- like, a bunch of them were gifted poets. So, basically, the idea was if you were a gifted poet, you could seriously screw someone over. Because you had a lot of power. You had the power of language behind you, which is crazy cool back then. So, Vates were, like, the cross bridge between druids and bards. And then druids dealt with the gods, but not really with public image. So, they did a lot mm. of, like, rituals and ritual sacrifice and stuff, but they didn't deal with, like... They were, like, FBI they didn't, of religion. They were, like, behind the scenes. They were definitely behind the scenes. They were dealing... Okay. They weren't the bridge between humanity and god, because they didn't care about the human side. They just kept yeah. the gods happy. Exactly. They cared about the god side. The Vates were kind of... The Vates were in between the Druids and the Bards, kind of. Yeah, so they were kind of a mix. And then the Bards specifically dealt with, like, the public, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, and then the Vates dealt with, like... They were entertaining Answering people's questions. gods in, within themselves, Yeah, you so know? they had the god complex, so they thought they were really important and told the stories. And to be fair, they were really important. They were. And then the Vates did all of the sort of, like answering questions for people, right? Um, the druids did a little bit of that, and depending on how important you were, you could interact with druids more or less, but basically, druids were the be-all, end-all. And the other important thing about religion, although we don't know a lot, we do know that they believed very strongly in their ancestors, and that their ancestors were very important. And they believed very strongly in the image of the boar, right? So, like, you could be reincarnated Mm. as an animal, such as the boar, and then it was, like, a very important, respected thing. Imagine being reincarnated as a snake. That would just be rough. Well, I guess 
I was I'm about to ask something really stupid. I are was there about snails to be like, in Italy? I was, are there snails in Europe? Okay. Oh, God. We're not we, in Europe. I cannot believe that the ancient Romans hung out with snails. That's such a weird concept. They, That's a hot take. But they hung, they out, with hung out with snails. They were like unironic. They unironically had snails in their presence. Okay, but I feel like. Wow. I didn't. I feel like snails would have a god complex. They would. I would have a god complex if I was a snail. Yeah. Especially, mm, no, 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 mushrooms have the biggest god complex, but it's not even, okay. like, a complex, because they're just There's something else. There's they're something just, else. Yeah. Okay, but imagine being a snail just, like, chilling out on a mushroom as you're, like, watching two armies slowly come towards each other. Drinking and, their blood up as they cut people's heads off in the sunset. Ooh, good vibes, or terrible vibes, depending on how squeamish you are. Yeah. But to be a snail. But to be a snail. On the battlefield in Sitting Rome. on a mushroom. Witnessing history. Ooh. So funky. Honestly. I wonder if they have barred snails. They should. Ooh. Heck yeah. That now I want to be reincarnated as a snail. Like, yeah. Learn the snail secret. Ancient snail, though. I wouldn't want to be, like, a modern snail. They just have to watch us bleed everything. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You made a movie about them, though. That's exciting. Yeah. You know the snail cars yeah, tr- rip off? Yeah, Turbo. Yeah. That's okay, anyway, we've yeah. gotten totally off track. We um, promised you we would. So that was religion. Ta-da! In a nutshell. Okay. So after that uh, very spicy, fun, sexy religion snail. Yeah. yeah, really fun. Oh, We're yeah. going back to battles. Hey. Yeah. Back to fighting. Back to fighting, and... You may remember Brennus from before. Anyways, he's back, but different. This is a different dude completely. Just a heads up, if you haven't been paying attention, which, fair enough. The first Brennus dude was the one who attacked Clusium and then sacked Rome. Yeah. He was the head of the Sinonese. Yes. This is a different Brennus, who is also head of the Sinonese. So maybe they are related? But maybe they just share the same name. They don't seem to keep family Track? records at all no family records so maybe it's a family name maybe it's just like a name like tom where there's just a ton of them everywhere yeah and then there was like a period in time where christians all named their children like after the saints same. so I don't, I don't know maybe it was something like that maybe they were like mm-hmm. the first brennus was lit so let's make the second brennus event yeah lit yeah so anyways again just a quick disclaimer if i pronounce his name as brandon because we were calling him brandon to differentiate between Brennus and Brandon. So, granted, not our best idea ever, but no. we did. At first, to be fair, we really thought they were, genuinely thought they were the same person, and then we were looking at the dates, and they're, like, a hundred years apart, and we're like, okay, people didn't even leave, live to, like, 90 at that point. So, they didn't live until 50. Like, let's, let's... They were, they were a little bit suicidal and dull. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. So, anyways, this is Brennus, but 2.0. Brennus... Fresh, Brennus Jr. Yeah, Brennus Jr. Cool. It's like Carl's Jr. Anyways, um, so Brennus. There's not a lot of backstory. Basically, it was like, oh, let's attack Rome, but we've already done that. We got to do something new. So they decided to attack Greece. Because why not? Yeah. Why not? And yeah. when do Gauls ever have a good reason? And then they were like, you know what? Let's make it even cooler, and let's attack a sacred place. And they decided to attack the sanctuary of Delphi, which, quick, quick shout out to Google here. For mispronouncing it. I looked it up on Google, and Google was like, yeah, it's Delphi. And I was like, okay, it's Delphi. And then we looked it up on, like, four different YouTube videos, and they all said Delphi. Which, again, the Oracle of Delphi's sanctuary. And I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. Delphi sounds But better. then Google just kept saying Delphi, so... Shout out to Google for trying to make every single thing we pronounce yeah. wrong instead of just <laughs> most things. So, anyways, they decided to attack uh, Delphi, and mostly because they figured that they would have resources, which was, again, their main goal. Yeah, their main But thing. also, it, it was like a giant just, watch what I can do. Yeah, Gauls never really... Yeah. Mm, also, they thought cells. there would be, like, minimal casualties, which, <laughs> you know, Ew. we're about to find out. Anyways, they figured that it was a good idea to attack them. Except that the Greeks were always really prepared for battle. Because the Greeks were just generally, like, a big superpower. Yeah, as well. So they were ready for battle. And yet, when, uh... So anyways, yeah, when they got to 
thermopylae. That's wait, wait, thermopylae. Okay, so that that's how you would maybe pronounce it. We didn't ask Google on this one. Thermopylae. Yeah, yeah. thermopylae. I guess a spicy name. I guess sounds like pylon, but like thermostat. Thermoplasmic pylon attack. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, <laughs> when the Greeks reached there, because that was kind of like a space in between the sanctuary of uh, Delphi. 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 I'm sorry. Google. Google's, Google. Google steered us wrong. Google did us dirty on this. Anyways, <laughs> they discovered that the Gaulish army had actually made it past there. So the Greeks had been like going like way further than necessary in one direction while the Gaulish army was going in a completely different direction closer. You gotta love the misinformation of the Middle Ages because it's not like they purposefully told each other different things. Like they basically told each other where they were gonna meet and yet every single time they messed up. They mess up. They it didn't, just cracks me up. Like they probably passed each other on the way. They probably like They were like said, hey, hey like they probably hey, stayed oh. at the same inns. Honestly. They were like, oh man, what, what are you character? doing? Like what are you guys doing? Oh yeah, we're about to go attack. Oh, that's so funny. We're about to as well. Who are you attacking? Oh, yeah, we're just attacking some army. The no. Gauls? Oh, well, it must be a different Gauls because they're going yeah, that way. Yeah, we're going like, to yeah, it's, it cool. must be, yeah. It must be our cousin. So, anyways, they probably, we don't know. So, anyways, the Greeks kind of panicked. They were like, dang. Wow. Wow. So, they sent out, like, a light uh, infantry of about a thousand. So, that you way know, the. Your the, average light infantry was putting out a thousand people. Yeah, so that way the barbarians, and so there was a river, so the Greeks figured that if they sent out the infantry, they could prevent uh, the Gauls from crossing the river. And so in order to prevent them from crossing, they broke all of the bridges to cross it, and they just kind of like hung out on the river. So I'm assuming like the infantry, like the light infantry was the one who broke all the bridges? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Except our boy Brannis was like, Brennus was like, you know, that's dumb. Why do you think we can't swim? So he waited until nightfall, and all the Greeks were, like, so cocky. They were like, they're not going to swim across and fight us. They need bridges. They're going to build a bridge. So they slept, and Brennus sent out 10,000 Gauls. 10,000. And you got to remember, I can guarantee at least a couple of them didn't know how to swim and just went for it anyway. Yeah, actually, this is a fun thing. They, do, they went for it, but they used their shields as boats. Their shields. Their to boats. get across. I'm sorry. Maybe I don't know the anatomy of a shield properly, but I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure... I feel like that was, like, counterproductive. Slightly. It's like, it's like, wow, okay. It's like carrying a sheet of metal or wood yeah. with you. Okay. And anyways, the That's Greeks fine. saw this, and the Greeks were like, huh. And then they retreated back to the main camp. And there was, like, you know, a fair few, like battle like mini battles like just kind of like small fights where some people died some people didn't but for the most part the Gauls kept going all in all it was more like tag at that point like it wasn't like a serious like full-on committed battle except that (laughs) now the Gauls uh their equipment is a lot weaker and they already had really crap equipment like let's just talk about the Gauls for a second these are the same the very same people who didn't want to make full-on swords because it costs too much to have the metal and all the rest of that, so they decided to have but little pointy spear blades. they were also, like, just crazy. Like, they, they were crazy. Yeah, and, like, and actually, <laughs> one of the liberating things about their religion, if we go back to religion for just, like, a quick second, was that they took all the fear out of death with their religion because you were going to be either reincarnated or go to heaven, mm-hmm. so there was no point in trying to save your life. Yeah, exactly. Anything. And so this initial attack actually failed um because the greeks there's like a whole bunch of gaps here but the greeks eventually like you know fought them off and, and to be fair the greeks were a smart had a lot more yeah tact. and actually here's a fun strategy. thing is that the gauls were noted that they had zero strategy they were really angry and they would actually get stabbed with like spears and swords and they would keep fighting with spears just sticking out of them I mean, I would just like and to say here that that could, again, be the Greeks exaggerating. Could be. Could be But shock. I don't know why could they would make the Gauls look better. Because they defeated them at first. I guess, yeah. So, <laughs> at first. At first. They just got played. Anyways, so, yeah, the Gauls tried to attack a whole bunch more times. Like, there was a lot more, but they just kept failing because the well, Greeks just out-strategized them. 
and then Venice. He he was a good like he was, he was like, strategic. He yeah, was a good yeah. commander. All that, and so he figured that the only way to win against the Greeks was that they had to force um, the Aetolians to re- they had to force the Aetolians to retreat back into their city of Aetolia, which I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but I feel like Aetolia sounds right. Is it? It sounds right to me. It sounds, sounds like, like some fancy Italian pasta. Okay, yeah, so we can support that. Yeah. Um. So he chose forty thousand infantry. You know, just casually. Just casually. <laughs> and this part, uh, I would definitely put, like, a small Disclaimer, warning if you here. really dislike gore or anything. And it's not going to be bad, but it's, it's like pretty. It's Obviously, we're not going to be showing you pictures through the podcast. So, you know, plug yeah, your ears so, for a second. <laughs> or skip ahead. And then, so anyways, he put two men in charge, uh, Oristorius and uh, Cambutus, which uh, Cambutus is a dumb name. Unless your name is Cambutius. In, in which, which case, case, sorry, bro. In which case, fantastic it's name. It's stunning. It's so, original. It's yeah. classic. Classic. Vintage. Vintage. Fa- yes. Okay, so anyways, he put them in charge to strike. Except that these two were really not Terri- great. Terrible people. They were terrible people. Very. Um, like, you know like people are like just, you know, occasionally rude. No, no, no. The, these, these, these were just these genuinely were the, terrible yeah, people. Yeah, this is where it gets kind of dark. Basically, uh, these two were put in charge, and they ordered these 40,000 other men to go into, like, the area where the Aetolians were, like, hanging out and murder every single man. No matter, like, their age, they could be, like, elders or babies. They were to be killed. And then they uh, would drink the dead men's blood. Although, can we just say right quick that this could have... Here's the thing. Obviously, it's still barbaric. It's obviously still barbaric. But the other thing to consider about the Gauls is that they believed very heavily that you shouldn't just let people who had failed live. And they didn't... And they would have wanted to be killed themselves had they failed. Yeah. So Except that, like, drinking blood was a little extreme. I'm gonna point that out. And really gross. Get their their strength, I guess? I don't know. I don't know. Except that then it gets worse. Because the babies that they killed... Their meat was like really tender because they were being like breastfed, so they would actually like eat the babies because their meat was just like tender and fat, and they were like, "Yes, this is good." So cannibalism is really gross. And then, uh, they were basically like raping all of the women, which is terrible. Uh, Again, and the women of um, the city, uh, actually killed most of them. Killed themselves the moment that the city started falling because yeah, because they knew what was going to happen. They all had a reputation. And so they would actually, if, they actually said that if they, any woman with dignity would kill themselves, except that that didn't actually stop the Gauls from raping them. I so, mean, to be fair, I would rather be dead and oh, yeah. be raped than be alive and be raped. Mm. Just got that. Yeah. So especially just because back then, that meant that they owned you. Right. That meant that you were their property. So basically the women killed themselves. And that, again, they would rape the dead bodies. And it was just really dark, which obviously outraged the rest of the Greeks. Like, the Greeks yeah, were Yeah, yeah, the Greeks pissed. were pissed. No way you put up with that. Like, you hear that happening? Like, no way. No way. Not like, chill at all. I get catcalled and I'm ready to fight. Like, And can we just appreciate the U.S.? Like, one person dies in a different country by accident, and then there's war. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously that's a tiny bit of an exaggeration, but, like, at the same time... But, like, you get it. Like, yeah, when so, like, one... Imagine this Group happening people on does this something big so of a wrong. scale. That's terrible. So, yeah. anyway, yeah. So, terrible. But moving forward, uh, if you had your ears plugged, you won't be able to hear me saying you can unplug your ears. But, but you can unplug, you your, can your, unplug ears. your ears. You're welcome. So, uh, the Greeks were outraged. And basically anyone old enough to fight, including women, got ready to fight the Gauls. Which... Is just like badass, like crazy. Like back then, that was yeah, yeah, like it wasn't insane. unheard of. Like women were actually often in battle, but it was still like shocking that everyone old enough to fight was ready to fight. Right, right. So that would be in like the age of like thirteen. Yeah, like you were you were ready to fight. Children, and then so basically the Gauls travel were traveling, and of course Brennus didn't exactly know what was going on, and then suddenly like. Just a ton of Greeks were, like, attacking him, and he's like, huh, I feel like I might have made a mistake. Which he did. 
yeah, yeah. Which or, he did. And to be fair, his perspective on it might have been like, why are they all butthurt? We won in a fair fight. Which they didn't. Which they, they there, didn't. There was, like, no survivors. Yeah. But Brennus didn't know that, so we're going to leave our boy Brandon out of that. Sort of our boy. We don't know what he did, so we're, we're just going to we're gonna say that we're going to leave him out of this. Yeah, maybe he was a good dad. Were men good back then? Moving okay. on. So, Brennus, he was kind of like, okay, this is not, a not what I was expecting. And so they were getting, like, killed left, right, and center because they were so stupidly they outnumbered. Were, yeah, yeah, they were, like, stupidly outnumbered, A. B, they had very little they strategy. Were and C, their, one of their only advantages is that they fought without, like, without abandon. Like, there was yeah, just but no now abandon. These but now the Greeks were pissed off enough that they also fought without abandon. They were like, screw you. We are going to show you. And so, <laughs> the uh, Gaulish tribe, they were basically like, okay, we got to retreat. Like, we can't do this. Yeah, no. And then Brennus was like, actually, you know what? Half of you guys go back. Only half. Because, you know, the best way to fight somebody when you're overwhelmed he was is like, to send half of your troops yeah, home. They knew that they were outnumbered and stuff. Right, right. And most of them were like, okay, I, I'm not going to keep going forward because this is like putting our entire tribe at risk. I think it was a I'm, good compromise for them between having their pride and maintaining the fact that they were Gauls and they had their pride and they couldn't give up on a battle while also acknowledging the fact that it was useless to have all of them be killed. Yeah. So, In I don't know. It was like a desperate grab for honor in the last minute. Yeah. And, you know what? Here's some props to Brennus because he continued and, like, you know, some of his, like, original army was, like, you know, mm-hmm. continued with him. And uh, when they got to Delphi, uh, obviously all of the citizens had already fled. Right, right. They, like, they, who sticks around? Who sticks time? around? And so they did end up technically raiding Delphi, like, like they did, Technically, but, but it was more really. like a, it was, we're gonna and, give them that just because. And, like, the two, like, the two sides were, like, just brutally wounded and everything, and it was just, like, really bad. It was a gory and, battle. Like, it was gory from And don't start forget, that finish. was only, like, halfway there. Like, yeah. they made it, but they still had the entire trip back, which meant that, uh, Brennus actually didn't make it back. He got really yeah. badly wounded, except that, here's the thing. Is that, you know, they got the stuff, they were on their way back, and uh, when the men were too weak to keep going, they would actually kill them? Yeah. Because you don't want to be left behind for the Greeks. The Greeks are pissed because they've already had all of this terrible barbarism enacted on them, and then after they've had all of this terrible stuff So they would actually kill their own men if they were too weak to follow, and Brennus got really badly wounded, except that the thing is, though, is that they didn't actually kill him. What he died from was uh, drinking unmixed wine, which is really weird because like he ha- his entire thing was, oh if you're too weak you must to die in battle, yeah. like you didn't kill the weak ones, you don't. Except that they didn't actually kill him; they just he drank unmixed wine and died. Which okay, thanks, thanks, Brandis. Okay. Anyways, uh, on the way back, the Greeks actually killed the rest of the Gaulish warriors. Uh, they did. So while they did technically, wait, wait, did the half that went home? They survived. They survived. Okay, but, they, but okay. any all of the Gaulish people that continued, did, uh, they got killed. Well, at least they died in battle. So they did manage to uh, raid Delphi. Delphi but they did, but, but, in but a there was no survivors. Attempt. And they did some really horrible acts in the process. So that's overall. So that was probably the darkest area. A lose lose situation mm-hmm. for everyone involved. That's for everyone fun. involved. And yeah, so definitely not a fun part of Gaulish history or Greek history for that matter. Yeah, I don't like, think that was a golden hour for anybody there. No, definitely. and surprisingly, the Romans weren't involved. Yeah, the Romans were just yeah, fighting I, someone else. Someone I else is attacking. Were fe- fighting the Celts again. Like God, yeah. they were attacking themselves. They were like, "Yeah, oh, they like, need a battle." Oh, honestly. oh, oh, you don't like my shoes? Come at me. Fight me, or just trying to conquer another city or something. I don't know. There was this. I heard about this one battle with the Greeks, where like, or not with the Greeks, with the Romans, where the Romans were 
wanted this city, and the city didn't want to be under Roman control, and so the Romans were like, all right, we're going to come and attack you, and then they went into the city all prepped for battle, and the city just refused to fight back, and the Romans didn't know what to do, so they were just like, uh, okay, I guess That's you have your freedom. <laughs> well, and what do you do? Like, like, what are you going to do? Attack? Like, like I'm going to kill you. Okay, do it. And then they're like, uh, what? What? No, 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 you have to fight us. No, say that you're going to kill me back, and they're like, no. And, and then that was kind of end that. I don't, I still have no idea what battle that was, so take this with a grain of salt, but, like, I read it somewhere. But it's pretty cool. Right? It's pretty fun. It's like, lit. It really tells you a lot about the Romans. Like, the god complex, like, the I'm gonna like save you complex, plus combined with, like, that idea that they needed to fight and conquer everything and they have this great empire that also was surprisingly honorable every once in a while. Yeah. But they had no qualms about lying, of course. So No, you know. or like cheating or any of that. Or, yeah, minor details. Okay, so addressing the fact that we just are avoiding talking about Julius Caesar, we are. We are avoiding talking about Julius Caesar because mm-hmm. we really want the main focus to be on the Gauls in this episode and not so much on Julius, Julius Caesar, Caesar himself, right? Because he's such a he's such an Major icon in and of himself. Of history. He's... He is history. And the other thing is, as soon as Julius Caesar's story takes over, we have, like, as soon as his story takes over, the Gaulish one ends. So we just kind of cover up until um, Julius Julius Caesar took over. So, basically about Julius Caesar right now, uh, he was kind of the reason why the Gaulish tribes disappeared, or at least came under... Roman rule. So basically, he took over, then there were some, like, I mean... He did Gaul a whole was, bunch of other stuff. Gaul was still a thing underneath them, but, like, it was kind of minor, and then they sort of petered out under Julius Caesar's rule, and then that's the end of that. So, yeah, no more about him. Yep. So, that however many minutes you just listened to was Gaulish history from our perspective. But, of course, just like Julius Caesar, there were many things we glossed over. So, here are our top five notable battles that we skipped. Ah, yes. So, coming in fifth place, we have the Cisapalline um, battle. Cisapalline? Uh, Cisapalline. See, we can't even pronounce it. So, so we, we decided like, we didn't need it. And while we didn't know how to pronounce basically anything else, this one, was, this one had bad vibes. Yeah, bad vibes. Okay, now in fourth place, we have Balkan and the Gaul Wars. Um, that's interesting. We didn't like how Balkan kind of reminded us of Balkan. So we just skipped over it, too. Not to mention the Balkan Wars are a lot harder to find info on because they didn't survive as nearly as long as the Romans or the Greeks. So we ignored that. Yeah. Okay. So now in third place, we have the Third Samanite War, which means that there's two others, and we didn't even know that until about three minutes. So coming in at our honorable mention place are the first and second Samanite Wars. Because we don't we don't know where they fit in, and I'm assuming that they had something to yeah. do with the third one. So which congrats was a major for battle. landing second. Yeah, the th- you know the first and second. Yeah, very, very mysterious. Anyway. Go honorable mentions. Woo. Okay, and now coming in first, we have the Battle of Palamon or Palemon. We're not Palamon? sure. Again, yeah. did we skip second place? No, that was uh. We just said that they were the honorable mentions. Those were the honorable mentions, but second place was the... We said that we were done talking about him. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, so that was just us deciding whether or not we wanted to count Caesar taking Gaul as a battle. We do not say his name. No no more of his no name. More. So no more. So Salad Guy. We decided not <laughs> to discuss Salad Guy. So, yeah, Battle of Talamon gets our number one place for top five battles we never mentioned, talk- mentioned or felt like talking about. So Should we have? Maybe. Probably. Were there a whole bunch of others? Yes, yes. there were. Yes, there were a lot. But, but we have you had enough of our voices? I think we have had enough of our voices. So with that, I think we'll have to call it quits. Just a quick minor disclaimer at the end of this. All of this is just our take on history and just us trying to get more interested and educate ourselves to some degree. Obviously, there's a lot more. Obviously, there are people that have different ideas different ideas and obviously there are people that know a lot more than we do but we were just having fun and honestly it was a really fun thing to do a lot of research yeah it was a good topic especially because it's just so 
not talked about. Yeah, and it's kind of weird. Like, the only representation that it really has in media is, like, Asterix and Obelix. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, I have not. Yeah, it's just, like, a little cartoon. And it was after they were in Roman, under Roman rule. Anyway, so, I don't know. I feel like they're just such a slept-on part of history that it was really fun to do... Our first episode. Yeah, a semi-in-depth study of something that we hadn't really talked about. Yeah, so... You know, if you want to know about select parts of Gaulish history, this podcast enlightened you on that, which is what we set out to do. And it enlightened us. Yeah, which is honestly our goal here. So that's The Tone of Time with Nora Elkins and Adela Davis. Thank you so much for tuning in.